Have you ever wondered what it would have been like to be alive during the time that Jesus was here on earth? Wouldn't that be wonderful to hear him teach, to watch as as he performed miracles, to see the Savior in action, to be able to touch him, to be able to hear him, to, to ask him all of those questions that you've had? What would it have been like to be one of the disciples, to spend every day With Jesus. Here's the amazing thing. As wonderful as that would be, it's even better now. That's really hard for me to get my mind around. I don't know about you. To think that walking with Jesus today is even better than it would have been to walk with him on the roads of Galilee. Well, we're in good company if that's a little hard for us to understand. It was difficult for the disciples to understand. But that's exactly what Jesus explains to them here in John chapter 16, verse 7. Listen to what he said. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. How could Jesus tell the disciples that it would be better for them if he was not physically with them? How could he say that to us? Wouldn't it be better if he was right here in the pews with us today? Where we could see Him. Where we could ask Him all of those nagging questions we have on our mind. Like, why did you create mosquitoes? What was that all about? Now, there's no question. It would be wonderful to have Jesus here with us physically. It would be an extraordinary day. No doubt about it. But what Jesus wants us to understand is that what we have now is even better. Let's take a look at why. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus has spent an extended period of time in some intensive teaching with His disciples, and much of what He told them was not comforting at all. Here's just a sampling. In verse 2 of John chapter 16, Jesus said, They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact... A time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. He told them that they would be persecuted simply because they were following his teachings. His warnings were specific. His warnings were troubling. But what he said next was even worse. In verse 5, Now... I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asked me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. I'm guessing that statement, you are filled with grief, was an understatement of how the disciples felt in that moment. They had left everything 
to follow Jesus. They knew that he was the Messiah. They had seen his miracles. They'd even seen his power over death itself. What could possibly cause him to leave them behind? How could that be? Especially if he knew it was coming. Shouldn't they be preparing for that moment? Shouldn't they gather together an army or or do whatever it took to protect Jesus, to keep him there with them? Their minds must have been racing. Not to mention the fact that Jesus is not exactly painting a rosy picture for what's going to happen after he leaves. They would face the same attacks that he was facing. They would be ridiculed. They would be ostracized. They would be persecuted. And yes, they would be executed. Not exactly a great career move. And then Jesus makes this strange statement that I read a moment ago in verse 7. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Wait a minute. What? All these terrible, horrible things were going to happen to them, and that was a good thing? No doubt Jesus understood their confusion. So, So he gives this explanation in the verses that follow. In verse 8 he says, When he comes... He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Jesus describes the amazing things that the Holy Spirit was going to do. First... Jesus said he's going to convict the world of sin. Before you can solve a problem, you have to know what the problem is. And the Holy Spirit cuts right to the heart of the problem. It is that we are separated from God in our sin. That's the root problem of every evil thing in this world. And the Holy Spirit shows us that. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we will always find a way to convince ourselves that it's not really that bad. Especially our sin. We're not so bad. At least we're not as bad as that guy. And then that guy is saying, well, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not sure who that guy is, but whoever he is, he must be a really bad dude. Because he's worse than everybody. The Holy Spirit cuts through all of that. He identifies the problem, the root issue of all sin in our world. It is unbelief. Christ proves himself perfectly righteous. Satan has already lost the battle. He's like a chicken with his head cut off. He's still running around the barnyard making a mess, but he ain't going to be there long. The world may think 
that at Calvary, Satan won. But the Holy Spirit reveals that's not even close to reality. But if you read farther in the passage, the disciples, and understandably so, are still confused by what Jesus is telling them. Verse 17, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean in saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And because I am going to the Father, they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Now that confusion would change. Just slide over a few pages to Acts chapter 2, where a confused group of men suddenly is transformed into a group clearly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So extraordinary was the transformation that in that day 3,000 people came to faith in Christ. And it was only going to get better after that. The Holy Spirit used those 12 men to light a fire that still burns bright even today. So, right here, this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have something that Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Joseph, and every other hero of the Old Testament, you have what they only looked forward to. You have the very same Spirit that changed Peter from a coward who wouldn't even admit that he knew Christ to a young servant girl, to a man who proclaimed the name of Jesus in Jerusalem and beyond. You have the same Holy Spirit that changed a man named Saul from a pompous bureaucrat who appointed himself as the grand inquisitor in charge of persecuting Christ followers. The Holy Spirit changed him into a follower of Christ who traveled throughout the known world sharing the message of Jesus. If you know Christ, you can live in the same confidence as John and Matthew and Mary and Peter, all those believers who have gone on before this very same Holy Spirit who lived in them lives in you. So what does that mean that the Holy Spirit lives in us? Well, it means that when we face difficulties and trials that inevitably will come, and again, remember, Jesus has begun this teaching to his disciples about the Holy Spirit, telling them about all the difficulties and trials and challenges that they're going to face. It was a long list. We will face them too. But when we face them, 
we will never face them alone. God is always right there with you. Every time. Having the Holy Spirit means that when God calls us to a ministry, He does not abandon us to that ministry. No, when He calls us to a ministry, He also empowers us to accomplish that ministry. He gives us the strength. He gives us the gifts. He gives us the talents to do exactly that which He has called us to do. Having the Holy Spirit means that when we feel a prompting to go and talk to somebody about Jesus, we won't be going there alone. And when we wonder, well, what am I going to say? How am I going to approach this? How am I going to describe to them about Christ We need not worry because it will be God's Holy Spirit speaking through us. Jesus was calling His disciples to an enormous task to take His message to the world. And He sent His Holy Spirit to be sure that they could accomplish exactly that. Folks, Jesus is calling you to an enormous task. The the challenge has not changed. It's still the same. He is calling us to share God's message with the world. That's why we have mission offerings here at National Heights. We have the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We have the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Later on, we will have offerings for our local Baptist association. We'll have offerings for our State, Missouri Baptist Convention. Why do we do all of those mission offerings? Well, because Jesus has challenged us to take his message to our world. And we look at our world and we go, how are we going to do that? It's a big place. There are people of all kinds of cultures. There are people of all kinds of languages. And that's just in our country. (laughs) Beyond our nation, We don't even understand how we can possibly reach them with the message of Christ. How are we going to do that? And God says, wait a minute, you're forgetting something. I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. How can Jesus make that kind of promise? How can he be with all of us? and all the other Christians all around the world at the same time because His Holy Spirit lives in you. When He walked the streets of Galilee, He could only be in one place at a time. But no more. He can be with you at work. He can be with you at school. He can be with you on the playground. He can be with you at the softball field. He can be with you here at church. He can be with you wherever you go because His Holy Spirit lives in you. So what is God calling you to do today? You won't do it alone and you won't do it in your own power. 
Because God's Holy Spirit lives in you. We have all kinds of opportunities to allow God's Spirit to live through us. We just need to look for them. For example, it's spring. Finally, what a gorgeous day it is today. Wow. Beautiful weather out there. And this beautiful weather means it's garage sale season. Our youth are even having their garage sale uh, this week, and, and they're doing that to raise money for their mission endeavors this, this summer, and that'll be really helpful. But another thing that our youth do during their garage sale is to every person that comes in, they will pass out information about our church and give an invitation to come and be a part of our National Heights Ministries. Now, we understand that just giving somebody a brochure and maybe a verbal invitation, you know, that's not going to make anybody come. But we also know something else. We're not just giving them a piece of paper and a few words. We are speaking in the power of God's Holy Spirit. And we have no idea how God is going to use those invitations. But we know that God's Holy Spirit is working through us. You can do the same thing if you're having a garage sale this year. I know a lot of people do. You can use that as an opportunity to pass out some gospel tracts or or just have some brochures about the church there on your table as people are checking out. Just say, hey, thanks for coming to my garage sale. Here's some information about my church. Come and see us sometime. There's no telling how God's Holy Spirit can use that. And that's the extraordinary thing. That's why Jesus was telling the disciples, hey, it's going to be better that I go because when I go, my Holy Spirit will be living in you. And that's because if we'll just recognize the fact that God is working through us, we'll find opportunities to serve Him everywhere we go. And instead of just being a boring opportunity to get a paycheck, our job becomes a mission field for sharing the gospel. Instead of being just a bunch of people with overgrown grass and yappy dogs, our neighborhood becomes an opportunity to spread God's love and God's word. Instead of just something my mom and dad makes me do every Monday through Friday so I can learn something, school becomes an opportunity to share with our friends about the extraordinary things Jesus Christ has done inside of us. And we say, well, how are we going to do that? I can't do that. I'm too shy. I don't know how to speak. I... No, you have God's Spirit living in you. What's God calling you to do today? Heavenly Father, this is really hard for us to understand, and yet it's true, that it is better for us that we physically don't have Jesus here right now. That, that's, boy, that's hard to understand. But God, the reason it's hard to understand is it's hard for us to get our mind around the fact that you live in us. Help us catch even just a glimpse of what that means. That you are always with those who have entrusted their lives into your hands. God, help us see that we never go into a ministry alone. We never share our faith alone. We never reach out to a friend or a family member alone. 
because you're right there with us all the time. God, help us to see the power of that promise. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.